Before we dive in, um, I, I just want to say this, that we are just so grateful for your generosity to the ministry here at Prodigal. And many of you know that we don't pass plates or buckets around to take um, tithes and offerings. And the primary reason we don't do that is we really want to disarm first-time guests and people who have a religious allergy to the church and talking about money. And I love that we're able to do that. And uh, we also don't talk about like tithing and giving every single week. Um, but this past week, I realized that, that in taking this posture, uh, that we often don't celebrate generosity the way that we should. And, and so we're going to be better at that. Uh, and because of your generosity, we were able to launch a second service. Uh, because of your generosity, we were able to bring on more staff for this fall season. And because of your generosity, this school in Chihuahua Village in southeastern Africa opens tomorrow so that kids don't have to walk 32 kilometers there and back to school. It's amazing. So we're going to continue to, uh, our posture um, of sensitivity to, uh, to those who might have a religious allergy um, when it comes to church and money, but we're going to celebrate the generosity of the people of God and the impact that you are all making. So thank you so much. Uh, we're in week three of Vital. This morning we turn to Tom Petty's classic, Free Fallen. Free Fallen. The song was released in October of 1989, and it peaked at number seven on the Billboard charts. But it's really become an iconic song in pop culture. The song tells the biography of a guy in Southern California torn between being a good boy and being a bad boy. But it's the chorus that resonates, right? I'm free, free fallen. Is he really free, or is he just free-falling? The iconic chorus is simple, but also it's lyrically ambiguous, opening space for some interesting interpretations. Free-falling, of course, is what skydivers, bungee jumpers, etc. do, uh, and uh, that's one thing. Being free, that's a great thing. Free-falling, uh, not as much. Uh, that's terrifying. You might not make it if you're free-falling. And so my question for us this morning is this. Are you free or are you free-falling? Uh, and we're going to Tarantino this um, chorus together. We're going to start with the ending and then bring it back to the beginning. Free-falling. Free-falling. It's that moment of excitement that I can do whatever I want. You're completely living in the moment, but it doesn't work out and uh, you realize you don't have a parachute. What seems like freedom is actually leading you to a, a crash. It looks like fun. It looks like awesome. It looks awesome when other people are doing it. You saw that at the beginning of the service. We had this video of people jumping out of an airplane and stuff. It looks amazing until we do it. It's terrifying. What seems like freedom is leading to a crash. It's like Toy Story. Remember when Buzz Lightyear is real life, beginning the realization that he's just a toy, he can't fly, and for a moment, for, for one moment, as he leaps off that staircase, he can fly. He's heading towards the window, but then there's this moment where he crashes on the stairs. And I've seen this play out in many of our lives, right? And uh, we think it's great, and we realize we're going to crash. I, as I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and I saw this, and really had a front row seat, to, this happened to so many students, so many teenagers in our city. Uh, the party scene, 
And the allure of that when you're a teenager uh, is extremely high. The enticement is there. It's social, it's fun, uh, everyone's going to be there, but it never works out in the end. The momentary thrills are never worth the guilt and consequences that come afterwards, right? Drunk driving, bad sexual decisions, addictions. That's a free fall. And as adults, free fall happens in a few different ways. It happens when we pursue status instead of contentment. It happens when we pursue being wealthy over being healthy. And it happens when we pursue lust over love. When we're looking out for just ourselves, are you free falling? Looks great on the outside. Everybody wants what you have but you're headed for a crash landing. Hebrews 12, one says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. This is so true. I love that the Bible says that it so easily trips us up, because it does. Uh, the Bible tells us to flee from sin because it knows it's a Lord. It's enticing. Now, many of us in this room would say that, that we're not perfect, um, but we hardly often in Christianity identify ourselves as bad sinners. Many of us will say, well, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm only human. And usually we say those things uh, to defend ourselves, uh, to make an excuse. This is different in, than knowing I am a sinner. And uh, admitting that, we brush over sin. John Wesley, one time after a worship service, a woman came up to him and said, Pastor, uh, I am a great sinner. I'm a Christian, but I fail so dreadfully. Please pray for me. And Wesley responded, yes, madam, I will pray for you, for you truly are a great sinner. And she said, what do you mean? I've never done anything very wrong. Paul says he was the worst of sinners. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He's the greatest missionary who's ever lived. He wrote, this, this guy's incredible. He says, I'm the worst of sinners. Peter said, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Isaiah said, woe to me, woe to me. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. This is a picture of uh, Prussian King Frederick the Great, who was once touring a Berlin prison. And the prisoners fell on their knees before him to proclaim their innocence, all except one man who remained silent. And Frederick said, why are you here? He says, armed robbery, your majesty. And Frederick says, well, are you, are you guilty? And he says, yes, yes, indeed. I deserve my punishment. Then Frederick, Frederick summoned the jailer and ordered him. He said, release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison where all these fine, innocent people remain. There is a freedom that comes when we admit we're sick, when we're sinners. The fall season and the winter season's coming up, and many of you guys who have kids are dreading it because you know uh, sickness spreads like crazy, right? And my wife and I are super sensitive to this just because we have a one-year-old and a five-year-old, and it's, it's tough when they're sick. And so someone might sneeze or cough, and we immediately... You know, and we have our children. And then this is what you always say right before you're sick, right? 
No, 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 it's just allergies. It's just allergies. No, it isn't. And this sin sickness that we have, it's not just allergies. We're sick. We're sick with sin, and we need a physician. It's alluring. Living the kind of life that I'm in charge. Whatever feels right, do it. In the moment. It sounds awesome. Um, Thomas Cossain's history, the, the Three Edwards, he describes the life of Reynold III, a 14th century duke in Belgium. And Reynold was grossly overweight. Uh, his Latin nickname was Crassus, which means fat. And after a violent quarrel, Reynold's younger brother Edward led a revolt against him and won. And Edward captured his older brother and put him in a room. And he didn't kill him. Instead, he built the room around Reynold and promised him he could gain his title, property, and kingdom back if he just left the room. This would not have been difficult for most people since the room had several windows and a door that mere normal-sized people could get through. The problem was Reynolds' size. To regain his freedom, he needed to lose weight. And his brother knew his, his, his weakness, so every day he would send delicious foods into Reynolds' cell. And he couldn't resist. Instead of dying his way out of prison, he grew larger. When Duke Edward was accused of cruelty, he had a ready answer. He said, my brother is not a prisoner. He may leave whenever he wills. He stayed in that room for 10 years, wasn't released until the death of his younger brother. But by then, his health was so ruined, uh, he passed away within a year. Is this you with any struggle that you might have in your own life? Freedom is actually available, but we remain because of the allure, because of the taste, because of the momentary pleasure. You've got to let go. The adage, well, I just got to be me. If it feels good, do it. That doesn't bring life. It only introduces a new form of being in prison. Some of us have had to learn Hebrews 12 the hard way. Here's, here's the same passage in just uh, a few different translations. We read this one in the NLT. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. The NIV, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In, in the message version, we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race for you. There's this image of removing, of getting rid of, of letting go. The truth is every single one of us in this room have something that we need to let go of. I don't know what it is, but it's whatever you're thinking about right now. The spirit brings it to the surface, right? And we can repress it or we can deal with it. What is it for you? You're personally responsible for your own spiritual condition. We can't repent for you, we can't believe for you, we can't put on the armor of God for you. No, only you can do these things. All I or anyone else can do is proclaim that there's freedom in Christ. All we can do is tell you that the door is unlocked, but you've got to open it. Here's the reality. Every one of us in this place is a sinner. Not a mistaker, okay? Not, it's only human. We're all sinners here. But there is something powerful when sinners come together and proclaim that something is larger than themselves. 
and lift up the name of Jesus. And Jesus begins to free us from the chains that bind us. Danny Simpson lived in Ottawa, Canada. In 1990, he was desperate. He didn't have the resources he needed to survive. He was short on cash, shorter on skills, and he had run out of time and options. So Danny took the gun that had been handed down through his family's line, went to a bank, and robbed it of $6,000 in a holdup. Danny Simpson wasn't very good at robbing banks. He was promptly arrested. And at the trial, two significant things happened. One, Danny was sentenced to six years in prison. His opportunities to, su to succeed dropped to minute proportions. But second, as the courtroom looked closely at the evidence, people looked at the weapon he used. It was a Colt 45 semi-automatic, the kind of gun collectors salivate over. It was an antique made by the Ross Rifle Company in 1918, and its value, $100,000. Did you catch that? Danny robbed a bank for $6,000 while holding 100 grand in his hand. He already had everything he needed. In other words, maybe he doesn't even know it, but he had what he needed. In Christ, God has given us all we need for abundant life. Following Jesus is where true freedom is found. Are we free or are we free fallen? Let's move from living in a life of free fall to living the true freedom that Christ gives us. John 8 says this. I just love this. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. Verily. It, it, it's, it's this word entos in Greek. And it's, uh, it, it's like the equivalent to a pinky swear. Okay? If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. In, I pinky swear. It's, you don't mess with that, right? It is, the, it is with certainty. We're free in Christ. I used to think that freedom and Jesus were antithetical, right? Christianity is, is about, like, the rules that we have to follow. And, like, freedom is doing whatever, whatever you want, right? Uh, Christianity is about obeying rules. Freedom is doing whatever. Have you ever watched those, uh, those shows, like, on Discovery Channel about the submarines that, like, go, like, two miles down? And then, like, they, like, explore the Titanic? And you're in this, you know, phone booth of a submarine, um, and you explore. It's, it's incredible the pressure that is trying to squish you underwater, and you're safe within that submarine. Well, let's just say you were down there, two miles deep, and you just couldn't take it anymore. Just like, I, I gotta get out of here. The worst thing you could do would be to try and open up the hatch, right? You would be crushed before you were able to do anything else. The apparent captivity that the submarine gives you actually brings you freedom. It actually brings you life. When things around you are extremely hostile, what seems to be confining is actually life. It's the exact same when we talk about Christian living. Living the way that God wants might seem restricting, but it's freedom that will not just lead to surviving, but thriving. We think freedom is to be able to do whatever you want. We're a free country. Can you do whatever you want? <laughs> freedom isn't doing whatever you want. Galatians 5.1 says this. Paul declares, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom in Christ 
is not just a freedom from sin, but a freedom to something. For the first 10 years of my Christian life, I thought it's just a freedom from. I've been saved. Uh, I, I was doing these bad things, and now I'm not doing those bad things. But it's so much more. It's a freedom not just from sin, but to abundant life in Jesus. Uh, let's just, let me give you an example. Let's just say you were a slave to your own sin. You were tangled up on it. There was chains on your ankles. And then Christ set you free. You're a very different person than you used to be. Praise God. That's great. But that's not where the story ends. Jesus did not free you just so you can stay next to your old chains on the floor. Jesus did not free you just so that you could tell others that your chains are off. Jesus did not free you just so you can sing songs about him, how the chains have been off and you have been set free. Jesus set us free so that we can be a part of breaking the chains that bind the world. We got to leave the cell. We don't just stay next to the chains and celebrate that they're off. No, let's use that freedom to go make a difference in our world. Yes, we're free from our sins that bind us, but we're also free to something as well. I met a, a, a man who... Uh, has like exotic fish in an aquarium. And I remember talking to him, and he told me that the, one of the most popular fish to have in an aquarium is a shark. And I go, that's weird. Uh, and he explained that if you catch a small shark and confine it, it will stay a size proportionate to the aquarium, to the surroundings. So sharks can be six inches long and yet be fully mature. But if you turn them loose into the ocean, they can grow to eight feet and beyond. That happens to Christians all the time. I've seen some of the cutest little six-inch Christians. <laughs> right? Swimming around our little puddles. But it's only when you put them into the larger arena, into the wild world that we're called to go and love and change, where we can grow to who God's called us to be. The ocean, I love we live in Fresno. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. But let me just tell you that the wild ocean is not two and a half hours away from here. It might be two and a half miles to your place of work. It might be two and a half minutes. It might be two and a half feet in your neighbor. The wild ocean that God calls us into isn't just the Pacific, but it's very specific. It's the person who's in front of you right now. It's the person that you're going to encounter at the gas station. It's the person that, that texts you and says, I'm going through a rough time. What is our response in that? The only way for us to move to, toward this wild world that God calls us to is through Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to live our lives for him. He wants us to live our lives from him. It's a big difference. We get the freedom from him. If we live our lives from him, it makes such a greater difference in what we can do for him. C.S. Lewis said this, the Christian does not say that God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. I want to invite Noe in the worship band to come up and I'll close with this. Imagine for me, if you will, you work for a company, and the president of this company found it necessary to travel out of the country for an extended period of time. 
So he says to you and to the other trusted employees, look, I'm going to leave, and while I'm gone, I want you to pay close attention to the business. You manage things while I'm away. I'll write with regularity. And when I do, I will instruct you what to do from this point to that until I return. Everyone agrees. So he leaves, and he's gone for a couple of years. And during that time, he writes often, communicating his desires and concerns to, to, until he finally returns. And when he does, he walks up to this place of employment, this company that he owns, and there's weeds everywhere. Sidewalks cracked. He enters into the building, there's windows broken. Someone at the front desk is snoozing. There's loud music growing from several offices. He hears people like laughing and like throwing each other. And instead of making a profit, the business has actually suffered great loss. So without hesitation, he calls a company meeting, the family get together, brings everyone, and with a frown on his face, he says, what happened? Didn't you get my letters? And they said, yes, sure we got your letters. We bound them in a leather book. Some of us have memorized them. And in fact, every Sunday at 9.30 and 11, we open up those letters and talk about them. And the president would go, but what did you do with them? And they're gonna say, do with them? Nothing. But we read every one. It's not just a freedom from sin. It's not just a freedom from sin into some new religious practices. It's to freedom in life in Jesus. A, a life that makes a difference in our world. What are, what are you being called to right now? Are you free? Free not just from what binds us, but to a life of compassion, adventure, joy, justice, mercy. Are you free to that kind of life in Jesus? Or are you free fallen? You look pretty on the outside. Everyone thinks you're doing, your Instagram looks great. But that's not reality. You don't know if you have a shoot. You're heading for a crash. Freedom in Jesus. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us grasp that freedom to, to really be who you call us to be. God, I pray that for many of us who have made Christianity about following rules, that people know what we're against, what we've been freed from, but nobody knows what we're for. I pray, God, that we would be more known for what we are for than what we are against. I pray that in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those in this place who are in these prisons and they just can't seem to get out. They can't diet their way out. They can't try hard enough to get out. God, I pray that we proclaim that the door is open and that we would take that step to understand what you did for us on the cross and to respond with our very lives. Father God, we love you, we praise you. We thank you that you're making things new. God, that you make, out of all of us sinners, out of all of us who make mistakes, who fail, who mess up, who blow it, that you make beautiful things out of us that doesn't make sense. And God, even this community that, you, that we call Prodigal Church, a bunch of sinners messed up. God, you're doing beautiful things. We thank you for that, Father. Continue to do that in us as individuals, as families, as a church. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we declare that God makes things new, that there's abundant life and freedom in him, and he makes beautiful things. you